0: Boy's got in it. And somehow she found the acceleration. Me, Welcome everyone to the final Let's Run.com track talk podcast episode of 2021. At the beginning of this year, we weren't even sure there was gonna be an Olympics. And if there was, well, Donovan Brazier and Shelby Houlihan were most definitely going to be there. Cole Hocker was just some guy who almost beat Centro in a 5K. Molly Seidel had no chance to medal at the Olympics. And no one had heard the name Hobbs Kessler. It has been a wild year, full of world records and amazing races. We're going to break down all of it in our Year of re- in Review podcast. We're also going to talk about Alberto Salazar's permanent ban from the sport, ended bound by SafeSport, and an incredible sprint matchup that is going to kick off the season right at the Millrose Games in January. This is Jonathan Gold. I'm joined by my bosses, let's run.com, co-founders Robin and Well and Johnson. Guys, I hope you had a Merry Christmas. I hope all the family's safe. How you guys doing?
1: Thank you, Jonathan. Doing very well. I think many people thought Friday would be my last podcast. Period. Podcast of the year. Supporting club members got a special Christmas Day treat. As the clock struck midnight, what was I doing? Getting the presents ready for my 4-year-old son? No, I was recording a special bonus edition of the Friday 15 podcast for our VIP supporting club members. Me solo talking about Alberto Salazar, Safe Sport, etc. Pulled it off amazingly well. Didn't say anything that got me canceled. And I did it because I was so thankful for the supporting club members. They're the ones. Supporting club members sent me my wife's gift, a free pair of super shoes. She's absolutely thrilled with the gift. This is the first year in nine years of marriage that I've nailed it. She just walks around. She's these are so amazing. She doesn't need to run in them. She just walks around in them, folks. Again, if you're a shoe designer, I want to design these shoes for the average person just to walk around in. Please contact me. We'll have let's shoe dot com. It'll be a win money maker. But I'm thrilled to be here. John had a good good Christmas. Hope you did as well.
0: Most definitely. Weldon, good Christmas. I, it was a great Christmas. And as
2: Robert toots his own horn here, I was shocked, John. Well, a couple of things. One, I started noticing people were joining the Supporters Club at like a higher rate. And I'm like, why is, it, are, is this like a Christmas gift or something? Couldn't figure out what was going on. Then I checked my podcast seed and there was like a Let's Run podcast. And I'm like, wait, this is the one we've recorded. It's Solo Rojo. like. He did a really good job. I was shocked. Sports Club members, I think you probably agree. He was measured. He read the article that you guys wrote to start off, and then he
0: analyzed it.
2: Well done, Robert. Well done.
0: Wow. This is crazy. Robert always talks about how he could be able to do the podcast. He doesn't need us, that he's the one everyone listens to. And now we might actually have some evidence for this. I hope his head doesn't explode from the swelling during the episode today. John, all the greats go out on top. John
2: Madden, just RIP as of yesterday. Or a couple of days ago. The guy was fascinating. He left like coaching at the top, left announcing at the top. Robert, is are you leaving right now? Or are you retiring from the podcast?
0: Are you actually thinking about this, Robert? I, I assume. I assume no. Can you answer us? I wasn't
1: going to answer because if I retired, I thought I wouldn't be able to say anything. But now I have to answer, so I can't retire. But I'm glad y'all liked it. But there was, I actually recorded the podcast twice. Once at three o'clock, and it was apparently totally silent, so nothing was on. And then I had to redo it at midnight.
0: Midnight on Christmas Eve, you recorded this podcast.
1: Yeah, the kids were, I said, actually, in the podcast, I said kids. I only have one kid for the record. I keep saying the kids. My wife, my wife's much younger than me. So my wife and my son were asleep.
0: Wow, Robert, that, that's dedication right there. All right. So let's hit the Salazar thing real quick.
1: No, let's hit that last, right? what do you say, Robert? Let's hit that last.
0: Oh, you want to save that for the end? I mean, I feel like that's our only news item of the week.
2: I'm thinking we should start with the Alberto news, but I'm certain that everyone needs to start the news out right that means you got to fuel properly in 2022. Yes, 2022 is here. You got to do the Drink Element free offer. If you haven't tried this stuff. It's great. Electrolytes without the junk. Go to drinklmnt.com slash let's run. You'll get a free sample pack sent your way. Five bucks. If you don't like it, I will refund your $5. No one has ever taken me up on the offer. So that means you guys are liking this stuff, loving it. Jonathan Robert, I went to a time trial over the holiday break. In Austin, Texas, first probably track workout I've been to 10 years for an 11-year-old podcast listener. I'm not sure how much publicity this person wants, but I've got my new future star. They're starting early these days. And they're drinking Element. Also, we have a second brewery for Let's Run.com. If you're in the Northeast, evil twin brewery, it's official beer of Let's Run. If you're down in Texas, Jester King Brewery, it's just outside of Austin. Got to support them, and I. I, Hey, we're doing gifts. I mean, no one is paying me for this. I have a holiday recommendation. I ordered for myself headphones. I had lost my old headphones. I went and ordered the premium version of the headphone I previously had, and I got them. And I'm like, oh, the premium version is not. There's probably no difference. These are the best running headphones out there by far. Well, what that I've ever had. I'll put a link in the show notes. I mean, should I say the name? They're not even paying us, John. Aftershocks Aeropex. They're amazing. And these are lighter than the other ones. The sound is better. Everyone needs these. Link in the show notes if you're looking for a new pair of headphones. They're $129. Also, because if you use the link, we'll get a little commission, I think, from Amazon. But we have to start with the Alberto Salazar stuff. The ear-in stuff, the look-ahead stuff. That can come at the end. I think it was just after we recorded our podcast last week. The news broke, sort of the ultimate Friday news dump, right before Christmas. Wasn't even an announcement. Some database was just updated online that further cemented the fall from grace for Alberto Salazar, who in September 2019 was pretty much as much atop this sport as you could be. He's now our serving a four-year drug ban and then the database updated and he is now banned for life by safe sport for, I think, quote, sexual misconduct, which.
1: Well, I think that's the confusing part. Most people were like, they see the term sexual misconduct and they're wondering what se- was sex- Salazar accused of that was sexual in nature. And that was one of the things that you know that I discussed on the Friday fifteen. I guess we can briefly go-, go over the main points here. But I, I think it really boils down to it. There's no doubt that Alberto Salazar really screwed up, and that's what I started with. I think I had five or six key points. One, Salazar really screwed up. Let's don't forget that Mary Kane, Honestly, that could have ended up in a suicide. I mean, she was allegedly cutting herself, and nothing was done. Very dangerous situation. But you know, nothing that he's Pub, that we know of that he's been publicly accused of really is sexual harassment. I guess in Matt Hart's book, it says that he tried to kiss Kara Goucher, but I think most people, while viewing that as bad, wouldn't view that action as something worthy of a lifetime ban. But now but what's interesting here with Safe Sport is we have no idea if there's other things that we've never heard of that 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 he's been accused of because safe sport doesn't release anything really which to me i think is 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 a big problem so Salazar screwed up he's been punished but i think the question is is the punishment excessive and is the verbiage of the punishment appropriate sexual her, sexual misconduct is that even what he did we may never know one of my points was i thought that it was good that some originally that something like safe sport existed Because otherwise you end up sort of like a Catholic church situation where a coach is accused of something and the people in charge, whether it's, you know, a private pole vault coach or a high school coach, they don't really have the resources to investigate it. They're not a criminal justice system. And instead of doing it, they just say, hey, uh, why don't you, you can no longer coach here. And they just kick the can down the road and that coach goes to another, another school and does it again. So it ends up being like the Catholic church. But to do it properly is really hard to do. So I don't know. I, I, I don't want to get into this thing because people who didn't listen to the Friday 15, when I was really sort of critical of Alberto, I don't want people to think that I'm absolving him of guilt. I, I think he should be punished. I thought a suspension with counseling was appropriate. I, I, assuming there's nothing else out there. What do you guys think?
0: That's the big thing, Robert, if he's being banned based on only the allegations we've been publicly made aware of, I think a lifetime ban is excessive. But if there's something else, which there certainly could be, especially because he was banned for sexual misconduct, which again, doesn't seem like any of the public allegations fit the bill for that. If there's something more serious, then hopefully SafeSport made the right call and the punishment fits the crime. But I think it's also important to just remember what the punishment is here. Yes, he's banned from if essentially, events put on under the auspices of USOPC or USATF, so he can't go to national championships. He can't go to the Olympic trials. He can't go to the Olympics. But he he can still go to world championships. He can still coach abroad in other countries. I feel like it's unlikely that American athletes would want to take on Salazar, given the four year ban for anti doping rules violations, and now giving the safe span, safe sport ban, and the fact that he can't go to national championships, but. Maybe there is someone who takes a chance. Or maybe he goes overseas and works for a federation. I've seen that idea suggested. So I don't know. But remember, this is like when we say lifetime ban, well, it's a lifetime ban from some things.
1: And one of the points I was making and other people have made sort of is like in the regular criminal justice system, we sort of are saying nowadays the big reform movement is you can't throw away the key for a first time infraction. And I know, you know, this is kind of uh, it's, it's what's interesting here is these are sort of a first infraction under a safe sport code for Salazar. All of these actions actually took place before safe sport even existed and there was any training on it. So I think that's one other thing that goes in his advantage. But, you know, like, I don't know. I said when he originally was banned by and the anti-doping authorities, that sort of wasn't satisfying for me because they they didn't they, they banned him for doping, but they didn't catch any athletes doping. Here he's been banned for sexual misconduct, And yet we know really have no sexual misconduct. So they're very similar in in that sense, you know, and there's an interesting thread now. It's like seven pages long about how people are, are sort of saying they think Salazar got a wrong deal. Is this the Salem Witch Trials? He deserved to be severely punished. I just, big picture wise, I'm now wondering if safe sports should even exist at all for anything but minor athletes. Let's think, take a step back here. Safe sport was created because of the Jerry Sandusky, I mean, because of the Larry Nassar situation. You had Jerry Sandusky, Larry Nassar, but Larry Nassar, just what he did was absolutely horrible. And these poor young minor women that were part of USA Gymnastics, you know, and and people at Michigan State were just suffered horrific abuse. But what's interesting, or not interesting, but so safe sport exists, and safe sport is only though for the Olympic sports. It's not for you know, high school football. It's not for professional football, baseball, etc. And when I was talking about this on Friday, I was reading some nice quotes from Becky Gillespie, Pe- Peter, pole vault power. She's a great Twitter follow. She's also a VIP supporting club member. You can follow her if you're on the message board and she's, been heavily involved in state sports. She's reported coaches and gotten them banned for sexual misconduct. And she says it takes them a long time to get to cases. And she said in one case, it took him a year and a half just to decide jurisdiction on a case. And it's going on three years. And she says that because Salazar is a big name, this happens very quickly. He, he's He's treated. Meanwhile, there could be minors that are being raped or sexually assaulted. Those cases aren't being addressed. So the more I think about it, I don't think that we should have safe sport for professional athletes. That just That's what lawyers are for. that That's an employment contract. If you think Alberto Salazar is mistreating you, you pick it up with your agent. You pick it up with Nike. You sue them as an adult. I really think safe sport needs to focus on minor athletes, amateur sports, people who don't have resources. Now, part of this did involve Mary Kane. She was an amateur. So, you know, maybe they can get involved here. I'm not saying that's totally the case, but Mary Kane also was making a lot of money. She had, I think, Ray Flynn as her agent. They, you know... Ricky Sims. Excuse me, Ricky Sims. I don't know. And it would be hard for an agent to take on Nike and, and something like this. But I think that if we're we're diverting resources to professional adult athletes being mistreated by their coach, no. We need to focus on the kids. And I think this may have been just the way this is done. There's, there's no announcement of what happened. There, there's no list of crimes and punishments, and yet this is sort of sponsored by the U.S. government, like an extrajudicial body? That seems wrong to me. That seems un-American to me for adults. Like, if we're going to do it for Olympic sports, why not the NFL? Why don't Safe Sport ban Dan Snyder or et cetera? But if we're going to spend a ton of resources on protecting people from sexual abuse and sexual misconduct, it needs to be minors. Instead of the U.S. Center for Safe Sport, why don't we have the U.S. Center for Safe Elementary Schools? Like, I don't know. Them getting involved in professional athletes and people of Alberto Salazar's stature when apparently much other stuff is not getting addressed is a major problem, in my opinion.
0: Well, or you could also give them more money to hire more staff members and maybe then they're not having to pick and choose and then they can investigate everything more thoroughly.
1: I get what you're saying, but this ends up being then like, it's like a court of law, but not really a court of law. They don't have to justify their actions, but you're having very serious ramifications. It starts to remind me of what we're, of the debate we're having now with the sexual assaults on the college campuses. Some people feel like that's swung too far. I, I don't really want to get into that, you know, right now. I did write Safe Sport for comment. And I said, you know, can you, everyone's confused. He's been banned for sex, for sexual misconduct. We don't even see anything that he's been accused of. that's sexual in nature, you know, and it's, Someone wrote in the message board, sexual misconduct for most people means that you're, you're trying to desire, you're trying to put yourself sexually with somebody, not just harassment or something like that. And they wrote back and said, please keep in mind that it's uncommon for victims of abuse to not, it's not uncommon for abuse, for victims of abuse to not to want to be public. There's a lot of well documented research out there on this topic. And federal law requires the center to protect the identities of victims and witnesses. I didn't like that statement. It's very easy to protect the identities of victims and witnesses, and just not mention their names. You could say Salazar was accused of, you know, Al, 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 it, let's say he he did sleep with somebody. Al, you know, evidence was presented that Salazar slept with one of his athletes. They, they don't have to say who, but then they get more clarity on that. They wouldn't even say if there was an appeal. I said, can you confirm that there actually was an appeal? Their response was, you can look at the database, but there's a time frame for an appeal. If there was no appeal, we would have updated that quickly. So by But based on the way they answered it, it's pretty clear that he did appeal and lost that.
2: Congress created safe sports. So maybe that's what they're saying. Federal law created it this way. That doesn't mean it's problematic. It's not problematic. It is problematic. But a couple things you guys said, oh, we don't know if there's something more. If there's something more that's even more apparent why what the person is banned for life for should be out there. That's just like a witch trial. Like, oh, there's something more. No one knows about it. Oh, we have confidence in the system. There's an arbitrator that hears it. That sounds like a lot of totalitarian places. And I know you got to protect kids, but unless it's a kid and maybe Mary Kane factors in there. But I I just don't like this. The Sixth Amendment. Uh, you can't even confront your witnesses. It's a basic Right. The Sixth Amendment, now that, I wonder if you get into some constitutional things So this is created by Congress, because the Sixth Amendment says you have a right to confront your, confront witnesses. And it's sort of crazy that this all has this sort of jumping to, we're not defending Alberto Salazar, we're defending a, a process. And for kids, I would have less of a problem. And Mary Kane is a kid, she's suing, but that's what the court says. There, there, there are other processes for Mary Kane to get justice. And if it's just what we know out there, I do not think Alberta Salazar should be banned for life. And but also, Robert, reading the SafeSquat code, I think Becca would say if you if you denigrate women, you say stuff about their weight to women, maybe that you wouldn't say to men. You say, "Oh, your breasts are too big." That somehow that can be classified as sexual misconduct. And no, that's not sexual misconduct. That's that's maybe inappropriate conduct of a gendered nature, but it's not sexual misconduct. Sexual misconduct, Alberto Salazar, if he did come on to attempt to kiss Kara Goucher on a plane, that is sexual misconduct, but in my mind, that wouldn't warrant a lifetime ban. That would warrant some talking with your wife, obviously, and some punishment, but I don't think that warrants a lifetime ban from the sport when it's two adults. with a, Yes, granted, with a huge power imbalance, whatever, but... This whole thing, I don't know. It's going to make people look into more into self-sport, safe sport, but.
0: One last point I just want to make here, because I was also confused why there was so little transparency about this. So I reached out to Becca Gillespie because she knows safe sport better than pretty much anyone. I said, why wouldn't they let us know what the allegations were, even if you just didn't provide the identity of the victim? And she explained to me, you know, victims, they're less likely to report abuse if they think that they're going to have all of these details be made public, that they're going to have to answer for all of them publicly. And some of them don't like telling this worst thing that ever happened to them over and over publicly. And even if you have that, they're not giving the names, that it's just anonymous, some people still don't want that stuff out there, especially if it's a small group of athletes where you kind of know, well, if these are allegations, there's a pretty good chance that they were made by Mary Kane because she's the one who is suing albodo Salazar right now. She's the one who's already made allegations publicly.
1: Well, I don't think that really works in this case because Mary Kane's filed a lawsuit, so it's going to come out in the lawsuit. But I, I see your point. It, it's a very difficult situation, but Becca is the, Becca's posts are the ones that made me think, on friday i was saying i think there might be a little bit of overreach here i think the lifetime ban's excessive but i'm glad safe board exists because you're going to kick the can down the road but then when i was reading becca's stuff about how they're not getting to these amateur cases and they're, they're devoting resources to salazar i'm like look they should just stick out of salazar and stick to the minors the amateur miners that really have no voice um and, and i think that would be better to be honest but anyways salazar screwed up royally he's been punished Maybe, maybe, maybe based on what we actually, maybe a lifetime ban is worthy, but not based on what I've read so far. So anyways, if you got comments, shoot us an email. Let's talk about the year.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about the fun stuff. Well, actually one more thing. This is 2022, but it is a news item that we got this week. The Milrose Games is going to be absolutely fantastic this year. And I'm really, i Robert mentioned this. I was like, oh, this is going to be sick. Look at all the matchups. And he's like, you think that's even going to happen? He's worried about the Omicron variant canceling Milrose. I hope that doesn't happen because we already talked last week about the loaded 3K. And now we've got one of the best 60 meter showdowns I could ever remember at Milrose. Christian Coleman, his first race back from his whereabouts suspension, is facing Trayvon Bromel the reigning U.S. champion in the 100 meters. So we have the last two World Indoor Champions squaring off at Milrose. This is a huge sprint showdown, and I kind of hope it's part of a trilogy. I'd like to see them. We get them at Milrose, season opener. We have no idea what they're going to be like. Then the U.S. Championships in Spokane, and then the World Indoor Championships in Belgrade. I mean, how amazing would that be? It would get me so pumped. And we also have Lamont. Well, we have the Olympic champion... In the 100 meters, Marcel Jacobs. He is, uh, he said he's running the 60 as well this year indoors. I think it's going to be terrific.
1: That sounds like fun, John. And I think that's the perfect amount of matchups three a season. People say, oh, we need to have the Stars race each other all the time. No, we don't. We don't need the NFL teams playing each other more than three times in a season. We don't need the Stars more than racing each other three times in a season. Once in the se- early in the season, once in the middle, once at the end. That's perfect. But I'm not optimistic about this stuff. I mean, I know New York Knicks games are going on with 20,000 fans, but it just seems like people are panicking. So I I don't know. I mean, when I look back at the year, at this time last year, we were desperate to have anything. What a crazy year. We had two NCAA cross country championships, one with no fans. Remember, we, back at the, you know, <laughs> last winter, we were going to track meets American record attempts in the 5,000 with no fans, just broadcasting it with me and one other person in the stadium. Then we had an Olympics, thank God. But that was like, could they possibly cancel the Winter Olympics? Like, it's kind of up and down, up and down. I think, to be honest, we should be done with COVID soon. We shall see. I'm optimistic Omicron is going to disinfect us all, but be a natural vaccine.
2: No, they better have this Melrose Games. If there are New York Knicks going on with fans, the Melrose Games needs to go on fans. Tracksmith canceling its New Year's Eve. Nick Willis thing is different. You're hosting a party. I'm Just the optics of doing that. I don't... They, I think they could have, could have gone on with it if they wanted to. But this is a sporting event. Sporting events are going on with fans. They can open the windows at the armory, get a little more air circulation. But if 18,000 people are going to Knicks games, I think 5,000 can go to the armory. It's their choice. It's New York. There's proof of vaccination required. If you're old, you're overweight, you got a pre-existing condition, think twice. I'll be there, John. I hope to be there, too. All right. I will chain myself to the door for the two hours if the meat doesn't go off.
0: Oh, my God. All right, shall we get started with our 2021 year review segment? So we're going to talk about the year that was... and. I think the best way to kick this off, we did this last year. I really enjoyed doing it. I really enjoyed putting you guys through this. I've put together another quiz. 12 questions, one from every month this year, to test the sporting knowledge of our hosts, Robin and Weldon. They have not seen these questions. They, I didn't even tell them there was going to be a quiz, so they haven't studied. So I hope you're ready to answer them. Are you guys up for my challenge?
2: Hold on, let me go to Wikipedia real quick. <laughs> twenty twenty.
0: Just don't Well, serious. I hope you're not doing that. Don't open the Olympics page.
2: Am I allowed to go there real quick? Just kind of get some names? For no, no, yeah. no. Absolutely not. No, Just Some like field eventers and shit. Like, I don't know their names.
0: All right. I, there's only one Olympic question anyway, and I'm not even going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to Robert. So how about that? John, you asking me... Any COVID questions, I'll nail them. COVID spread. The the first question's a COVID question. Okay, let's go. I just want to say, are you guys accepting my challenge? You're both up for this.
1: Yes, I just would like to make a disclaimer. We are recording this podcast a little bit earlier than normal. Jonathan's Golf is going to the museum, the Matisse exhibit. Is that right, John?
0: No, it's a Van Gogh. I don't know where exactly it is in Boston, but there's some sort of Van Gogh exhibit, and they do something with lights. It's supposed to be amazing. I don't know. I'm going with my family.
1: I just put that out there for all the single ladies out there. Oh
0: my God. All right. I thought you were going to blame like you haven't had coffee yet. And that's your excuse. All right.
2: I, John, I was up late last night. My in-laws came over. We did the Christmas with them last night. Cause we just got back from Texas. I had an evil twin 12% beer. So I'm just kind of getting that out there.
0: Wow. 12%. Wow. So you really don't think you're going to do well. Okay. I believe in you guys. I think you're going to do it All right. So question number one. I'm going to give this to Weldon because he was, he's the older one by a few minutes. All right. On January 30th, the 2020 Big Ten Cross Country Championships were held at Blue River Memorial Park in Shelbyville, Indiana. One school did not enter teams due to a COVID outbreak in the school's athletic department. Name the school Michigan. That is correct. The score is. Weldon 1, Robert 0.
2: I told you if it was COVID, I would get it right.
0: All right, Robert. On February 18th, a 34-year-old man testified in front of Congress to discuss his investment in GameStop stock. At one point, this man, who posts on Reddit under the handle Deep fucking Value," and owns the Miles School record at Stonehill College after running 403 in 20, 2008, had... Investments worth over forty million dollars. Give me either his name or his YouTube alias.
1: Oh, I mean, I'm obsessed with this guy. My buddy Chris Lear wants us to have him on the podcast. And by the way, Keith Gill, if you want to come on the podcast, we'd love to have it.
0: Keith Gill is correct. We are tied one to one. But I, but it took me a long time to
1: re- recall that. I'm starting to get. I'm almost. I'm almost senior citizen, John.
0: See, this is what I thought those are good questions. You know, they're not total layups, but you're like, oh, that happened this year. Right. Yeah. What's his handle? His handle is Roaring Kitty on YouTube. I see. It's too early. I forgot both those things. Wow. So you were lucky you didn't get yes. the question, Weldon. All right. One, one. Question three. Weldon, on March 15th, Northern Arizona won its fourth NCAA men's cross country title. NAU scored 60 points and put four men in the top 10. The first time any school had accomplished that feat since Stanford in two thousand three. Name three of the four NAU runners in the top ten.
2: They had four runners in the top ten?
0: Yep. <laughs> Nico Young.
2: That's one. Blaze Farrow. That's two. Uh, there's that crazy long name. Uh I'm, g- I'm not going to get four. Uh, I just want three. You need one more. I don't know the, how to say that guy's name. It's like, it's like Abder or something.
0: Lost, I'm going to need a lost name. I'll, I'll. That's kind of close on the first name, but I need a lost name.
2: It's funny because so- somebody, well, I could do all. Somebody called in today with a voicemail. Saying they drove through Flagstaff and saw Futsum. They thought he was delivering pizzas or maybe picking up pizzas or whatever he had a side job. But that's not it.
0: It's uh Well I'm giving you ten seconds.
2: No, that's the marathon guy. Nagaye.
0: That's the only no, marathon guy. The guy. Robert, help him out.
2: Uh Noor is the last name abdi Noor yep. I knew I was on an N. I, I t- knew I was close. I had Abdi and N. Well, just missing the other one. If I just, I'll help him
1: out
0: by uh, getting it. He's an Olympian. Guatemalan Olympian. Luis Griova. Damn it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, you knew it, but you didn't get it. All right. Still 1-1. Robic opportunity to take the lead. I think he should get one and a half for that. I'm not giving
2: him- No, John, that was embarrassing. That, I said three. points for that.
0: Okay. Robert, on April 4th, Kenya's Ruth Chepengedich ran 64.02 to set the world record in the Women's Half Marathon. Later this year, on October 24th, us and Beck Gide would crush that record by running 62.52 in Valencia. What I want to know is what was the Women's Half Marathon world record entering this year? I'll give you a buffer of 10 seconds, over-under, and those two world records that were this year were 64.02. And 6252.
1: Is this women's only or is this absolute? Absolute. I'm just gonna say 6432.
0: You're one second off, Robert. It was 6431 by Ababel Yashana at the 2020 R.A.K. Huff Marathon. So Robert takes the lead. as is 2-1. Rojo. All right, question five. This is for Weldon. On May 29th, Hobbs Kessler in 334. 334- Thirty-six to break Alan Webb's U.S. High School 1500-meter record at the Portland Track Festival. Kessler finished fifth in that race. Who won the race? I was about to
2: show you guys how I think and say the mullet guy, as it was taking me a second, I think in concepts. And I will have to go with the mullet guy, Craig Ingalls. That
0: is correct. We are tied at two. I'm, impre- I'm impressed. I'm impressed you remember that, Weldon. All right. Question six. This is for Robert. The 2021 NCAA Outdoor Track and Field Championships were held from June 9th to 12th at Haywood Field. Three men from the Pac-12 won NCAA individual titles. Isaiah Jewett from USC in the 800, Cole Hawker from Oregon in the 1500, and Cooper Tia from Oregon in the 5000. Name any other individual champion in one of the distance events 10,000, 5,000, 1,500, steeple, 800.
1: You already named the 5,000.
0: I said, yeah, I want you to name any other apart from the three I just gave you from the Pac-12 on the men's side. I want men or women, any distance event. And if either of you, I'll, I'll throw this open. If either of you can name the men's chase champion, I'll end the quiz right now and cl- proclaim you the champion.
1: Okay. This is weird because I was on the NCAA Wikipedia page last night. I can easily do this. Patrick Deaver, 10000
0: Wow. Yes. Immediately, that's the auto get for Robert. Well done. But
1: I had totally forgotten all this stuff. and I happened to be on there last night because I was thinking like, oh, we're doing end of review. Let's go back and see what happened. The tennis, the, the steeplechase, I know where he went to
0: school. I think he went to Middle Tennessee
1: or some Tennessee something, some obscure Kenyan. Obscure.
0: Uh, some obscure Kenyan from Middle Tennessee State is correct, but I actually need an actual name. Oh. Well, then, if you can give me the name, I will end the quiz.
2: John Kosky.
0: No, it's Keegan Chamadi. Uh, it's funny because I was coming up and like, oh, this is a great question. They might not know. You know, because there was some... Champ- I'm like, that was a while ago. Robert, do you know any other NCAA champions?
1: Yes, Mikhaila Meyer of UVA eight hundred. By the way, where did she sign? I was going to ask. I have that in my
0: secret notes. Today, I wanted to know where she signed because... I don't think she turned pro. Is Oh, she went Did back. she run cross-country or something? I don't know. Or did she turn? Maybe she did turn pro. I don't know. I think Anna Camp won the 1500. Anna Camp Bennett from BYU. That's correct. 5,000. Women's 5,000, I bet you remember.
1: That one was pretty interesting. Yeah, the
0: Auburn girl lady.
1: Um, no. Camilli. Ellie Hannah, State. Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah. Well, Kim- uh, Kimeli won the 10?
0: No, she, Joyce Kimeli won the Indoor 5000 for Auburn. The other champions were, well, we named all of them except for Carmela Cardama Baez in the 10K from Oregon and Mahala Norris from Air Force in the steeple. The reason I asked for the men's steeple that was an auto win is because I usually think I'm pretty good at this. And in my head, I'm like, okay, I can remember all of the other ones in my head, but I had no clue who won the men's steeple. And it was Keegan Chamadi. So sorry, Keegan. I forgot your
1: name. I'm kind of disturbed. You think we wouldn't, I wouldn't know the name of anybody.
0: Weldon. I just want to ask Weldon, would you have known any of
2: those winners? I would have known a couple. But John, you know my weakness NCAA track. It's just like, I wasn't out there. Well, I guess, were you guys at the meet that you guys go to all the NCAA championships? I usually don't.
0: We didn't go because they wouldn't even they couldn't guarantee a media spot, and even so, we couldn't have any in-person mix and so we just didn't go. All right, so the score is now 3-2, Robert. Robert is 3-for-3. Three three. He has yet to miss a question. Uh, question seven. This is for Weldon. The Hercules meet in Monaco was held on July 9th, and as usual, the men's 1500 was fast, with four men breaking 330. Timothy Cheria won the race in 328-28, Jakob Ingebrigtsen was third in 329.25, and Stuart McSwain was fourth in 329.51. Name the Spaniard who finished second in a national record of 328.76. I can't believe I've already forgotten this dude's name. I was about to say... Well, I
2: can't really say what I was thinking in my head. <laughs> but I'm like the spanish moroccan Um... <laughs> And this guy was an Olympic favorite at one point. Maybe in the 5K, he ran the 5K at the Olympics. This is embarrassing. I just don't, I don't think I don't think of names. I I think of concepts. Uh, give me a, give me a hint. I I will see the question. I've lost this question.
0: His first name is Muhammad. Katir. Yep. All right. That good effort, but you you were on the right track. I, I trust that you would have recognized him. I can recognize him for sure. Yeah. I probably I think he's wearing a blue
2: singlet even at that race. I'm not even sure.
0: Well, I don't think it's a singlet. it's more of a t-shirt or a bodysuit. But anyway, three-two still Brooke can now take a commanding four-two lead. Question eight. Give me the full name of the Olympic champion in the men's hundred meters.
1: Marcel Lamont Jacobs?
0: You know what? I'm not giving that to you. It's Lamont Marcel Jacobs. And The reason I'm not giving it to you is because earlier in this podcast, I mentioned his name and I was like, shoot, that was one of my questions. I I said Lamont and then I correctly corrected it to Marcel Jacobs and you did get all three names, but you didn't get them. I'm I'm not giving that to you to make it close. I would have said the same. Are you sure? Let's just double check that, John. Look it up on Wikipedia. It's Lamont Marcel Jacobs.
2: He's Wikipedia-trusted news source. Okay. Junior. There's four names here.
0: I wasn't... You wouldn't have had to get the junior if you just put Marcel J- Lamont Marcel Jacobs. I would have accepted it. I, I mean, I,
2: I could tell you... John, could you tell me where he was born? I can tell you that without... El Paso, thinking. Texas. Thank you very much.
0: I knew that without looking it up. All right. Still 3-2. Weldon, you go to chance here. Question nine. Oh, this is a tough one, though. This might be... Okay. This uh, could be the toughest question of, of the path. podcast. I on September 18th, the Kenyan and African records in the 100 meters were broken at the Kip Kano Classic in Nairobi with a time of 9.77 seconds. Who broke the records? It's like Freddy something. Is that close? Begins with an F.
2: Oh, I know what
1: it is now. That's all that. Like Okuwala.
0: You know, I wish I could give it to you, Robert. No. Robert, sorry, I wish I could give it to you, Weldon, but I'm not going to count that. I think that. it's Robert.
1: like Ferdinand Omenyala.
0: Ferdinand Omenyala is correct. Wow, Robert has better attention. Also known as Ferdinand Omurwa. I would have accepted that as well. But no points for you, Weldon. But
1: I, I do the homepage twice a week, so I have to always look for these articles and obscure And
0: Okay, question 10. Robert can clinch the victory here. With the correct answer. Name either the top American man or top American woman at the 128th, 125th Boston Marathon. What? Give me the top American man or top American woman at the Boston Marathon this year. And Actually, Robert, you're not going to clinch the victory because I'm offering up bonus points on this question after you answer. So... Give me your answer, and then I'm going to have a bonus question for both of you guys.
1: See, my brain doesn't work with, doesn't associate Boston with the way my memory works, doesn't associate Boston with the fall. I can't even remember what happened at the break.
0: <laughs> That's an interesting excuse. It's it was more recent than a traditional Boston marathon that would be held in April, but
1: Des London, I don't think, was in there.
2: Um... 10 seconds, Robert.
1: I'm struggling. They probably
2: made it I things. can help him out. It wasn't the downhill guy, Robert.
0: Robert, I'm going to need not to.
2: I don't know. Reebok Track Club, Robert.
0: Colin Benny. Did you know that without looking it up, Weldon? Did you just look up the results? No. I apologize to Chris Box, but I don't know the name. Colin Benny is the name. <laughs> and the top, top American woman was Nell Rojas. So this is going to be another. I have a bonus question here. Whoever his first with the correct answer gets the point and all points. Bonus point, if either of you can tell me the name of the men's and women's overall champions of the Boston Marathon this year.
2: I plead the fifth. This makes us look really bad. <laughs> we always say how we're not the xenophobic, racist, running journalists like the rest of the people out there.
0: No, I'm going to give you, I actually will sympathize with Diego. you Diego. Say that again the woman
2: was Kiego there was some dispute about how her name was spelled the oh, yeah. last name uh, yeah, that, Kosuke? or no key Ki- it was like gosh and the man um no the man was like no one we thought was gonna win
0: okay all right i'm I'm gonna call it the reason why I asked this is because A, there was a lot of major marathons this fall, so it could be easy to forget. And B, these were two unlikely champions. So that's why I didn't think you guys would remember it. It's Benson Kip rudo and Diana Kip Yoke. Though it said yeah. Kip on her bit. Right. I was close. I knew there was
2: some controversy with her name. Yeah. Well then, Well the Things and concepts. We're learning. It's weird, though, how I think. I, need, I can even get facts. 2022 are facts. Anyone got some, like, memory things, tips for Names and shit. I go to a party. It's like, oh, th- I'll meet a guy. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're the- my cousin's friend, friend, friend. And I'm like, I have no idea your name is. I need help, people.
0: Email me. Wejo at letsrun.com. Free of shoes. Question 11. This is for Weldon. This is your chance to tie. If you don't get this, Robert wins. November 7th, we saw the New York City Marathon. Olympic bronze medalist Molly Seidel set an American course record by running 224.42 to finish fourth. Named the second American female finisher who clopped 226-18 in her marathon debut to finish sixth, this woman competes for Minnesota Distance Elite. Let's say I interviewed her. I could tell you, I could sh- tell you exactly where I
2: was interviewing her. It was behind this elite tent on this trail. She was sitting there. Oh, gosh. She did great. She then came out and ran like the 10 mile right after that. And the Ekadan did really well as well. Uh, it's like a cool name, too. It's like it kind of rhymes.
0: Uh, frisbee. Boom. Oh. Baby frisbee. Well then. Wow. Pulling that out of his ass with tied 3-3. Wow, this is very exciting. Okay.
1: By the way, I just looked it up. We can be forgiven for no- not knowing the Boston Marathon winners. Vincent Capruto has a two-sentence Wikipedia entry. Diane Kipuke has five sentences.
2: That's no excuse. But, John, I swear, I- I'm thinking I'm like... It originally but then i got off but i was like i think his name is sort of very generic for a kenyan like a cool kind of name like benson capruto like i was thinking that then i'm like no did some like obscure ethiopian win anyway continue
0: okay question 12 robert you can clinch the win otherwise we're going to a tiebreaker question what about the bonus points no one got any bonus
2: points. i uh, there's bonus for something go ahead
0: There was a bonus for the Boston Marathon. That was the only question I offered. I offered a bonus if you could name the men's steeple champion in the NCAA, but neither of you could. Okay, Robert, question 12. On December 4th, the Newbury Park Boys handily won the running lane cross country championships in Huntsville, Alabama, putting four athletes in the top six overall. The team's top four consists of two sets of brothers, the Salmons and the Youngs. Give me the first names... Of all four brothers. This should be a bonus question. Leo, Lex, Colin. Robert got the entire top three, but he can't remember the one who was sixth. Robert?
2: Start with an A. I was thinking the same thing, actually, Robert, too.
1: Wow, said so it must be this name. It's like it's like Am- Amina, Amon,
0: Amon Salman. No, it's Aaron. Wow, you guys are very close. Bye. After twelve questions, we're tied at three.
1: I thought I hadn't missed any questions. How did I only have three,
0: Robert? You you choked it away. You you were three for three. And my dad did all. My
1: dad says I couldn't handle the pressure.
0: I mean, he was he was so close as well with Marcel Lalonde Jacobs. I mean, well, was, was... I'm sorry, you know, maybe I'm fudging the rules here to make it more competitive. But this is exciting. We have a tiebreaker question. All right, but
2: John, this is we know we're not supposed to give grades or have tests anymore. So this whole segment will be canceled at the end of it. The- well,
0: you guys can just if you want to just tie together and be losers, fine. But I'm going to give a tiebreaker here.
1: We can be like the high jumpers. Well done. Let's make history.
0: Okay. Tiebreaker question: I want Damian Warner's winning score in the Olympic decathlon. What? Whoever's closest. Oh, okay. Gets, gets the goal. Gets should
1: the. We, should we do it separately? I'll, I won't listen, and then I will submit my score after. So we yeah, ha- that's fair.
0: Have one do. Okay, okay, all right. Well, then you submit your score first, and then I'll well we'll signal in Robert. I have
2: no idea. Uh, this is going to make me look stupid. Eight thousand forty.
0: Eight thousand forty. All right, Robert.
2: But how did he hear? Well, how, how said- did he know his name was called if he wasn't listening? That's
1: the well, this is problem because I think it, it was an Olympic record. But I don't know what an Olympic record is. let me see here. Originally, I was going to say 9,003. But I think that might be... See if John gave anything out of space. <laughs> that might be 1,000 points too high. Because they can score 1,000 in a, an event, but they don't normally do that. So it might be like 8,003. I'm going to talk myself out of it. 8,001.
0: Okay. Weldon guessed 8,040. So you guys both guessed similar totals. But the correct answer, and it was an Olympic record, 9,018 points. Weldon. I was right. I was right. Come back? No, I was right. I said 9,003. I said 9,003. <laughs> well, Robert's playing the Trump con here. I was wrong. <laughs> I won, even though I didn't win. Oh my god! What I didn't think this would ever—I didn't think this would happen. Well, then you would. what Robert had so many chances to clinch the title, but wellness come from behind. Congratulations! You are the winner of our 2021 quiz. And I did the same thing Robert did. I'm like, I think I'm off by a thousand points. What was the actual number, John? Nine
2: thousand eighteen. That's weird. Because I was thinking the same thing. Like, I might be a thousand points off. I knew it
0: wasn't seven thousand. All right. Well, that was a lot of fun. You guys had you know, three questions each. That's I designed it. So that it wasn't super, super difficult, but also not super easy. So I think you guys did fine.
1: Well, it just, well, and I are made, even though we're old people, we're made for the internet era of wouldn't we can, we, we think in concepts It's clear folks, John, John was made for like the, John, you would have been the smartest man alive in like 1600 when there was no internet. Cause you remember everything like a savant.
0: Yeah. But I'm not creative. So that's the problem. All right. So let's go back to 2021 year interview. That was kind of a you know, month by month look. But I wanted to talk about our predictions at the start of the year because we had a podcast back in January and we made a bunch of predictions and most of them were not very good. So I just want to run through some of the topics that we discussed here. The first question was, would the Olympics be held? And that's crazy to think back in January, we weren't even sure. That's how uncertain we were with COVID. We didn't have the vaccines yet. Well, we had the vaccines, but none of us had been able to take them yet. And we all said yes. So we got that's our first prediction. We got one for one. We all thought the Olympics would happen. The next question, and we spent the most time in our whole prediction segment talking about this one question: Shelby Houlihan, which event will she run at the Olympics, and will she medal? Which is just crazy. Fact like this was a month after. How positive test for Nangela. We spent all this time debating, will she run? What event? Can she medal? Turns out to be totally pointless discussion because she was banned in June.
1: But we didn't know she'd been tested positive at that point.
0: Of course not. So it's interesting, but it's just so, I'm like, wait, why are we spending so much time talking about Houlihan? And then I'm like, well, of course she wasn't banned. What event did we say? I said she'd medal in the 1500. You said she'd medal in the 5K. I did? You did. Yeah. And then Robert said she should double, and he said a lot of things, but he never actually made a concrete prediction, Uh, which is something I kind of learned looking through all these prediction things. A lot of you guys did a lot of, you guys did a lot of talking, but I was the only one who was really making a lot of predictions here.
2: Got to cover all your bases, John.
0: Yeah. Now you don't look like an idiot at the end of the year.
2: This year, I got to. I got to pay attention. I mean, uh, knowing the quiz is coming next year, I'm going to pay more attention, write down names every day.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, sure. I got
2: this new electronic note taking thing. It's great. It's called Super Note. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I don't even think you can get a commission to that. But, you know, if you write something down, you remember it better.
0: All right, we need to start getting, talk to these people and get them to advertise on our podcast because that's my newest resolution is to get an actual sponsor for this podcast apart from the Let's com supporters club. Okay. Element, John, drink Element. <laughs> we d- oh, okay, sorry, sorry. Wait, <laughs> take that part out. Sorry, I, I forgot about that. No, we're keeping it in. Reminder,
2: get your electrolytes, no sugar. You don't need a bunch of sugar in your electrolytes. Oh, I didn't say this part. When i went home, my dad's like, hey. I forgot how he said it. I think he said, would you like an LMNT? And I was like, you have it? He said, yeah. I I was talking to Robert and he was saying, you love this stuff and I love it now too. So my dad, even a non-runner
0: drinks it. Sorry. Sorry. That's obviously LMNT were very grateful for their sponsorship. They've been sponsoring us for basically the entire year. So thank you. But I guess I should have said another sponsor for our podcast because you can never stop at just one. All right, the next topic that we talked about was America's best bet for distance gold at the Olympics. We all agreed it was Donovan Brazier who did not even make the Olympics. Now, we kind of get a mulligan on that because he was injured. But then we said, RJ Wilson was the favorite for the 800-meter gold. The thing Mo's name didn't even come up. It's just crazy how much the sport can change in one year. We all think, RJ Wilson, she's the favorite. She's going to win. She's been the dominant force. She didn't even make the final in the Olympics. Two Americans made the final. Two Americans medaled, and she wasn't one of them. And a thing, Mo, we didn't even consider her as an Olympic medal contender. And now she's set to dominate the sport for the next five to ten years. So it's pretty crazy. And I got to wonder if, in
2: my mind, I think, oh, Ajay, not a medalist at the Worlds this year.
0: I don't think so. I mean, what do you think's more likely, a medal at Worlds or failing to make the team? I think there are two 800 runners who are better than her. I, I guess the thing with Raven Rogers is like, I mean, Raven Rogers is really good, but I I sort of think like, and she's also, Raven Rogers medal of the Olympics. She beat RJ Wilson at the Worlds in 2019. She's younger than RJ Wilson. The only thing I think of with RJ is she has something, something was bothering her this year that she didn't tell us about. She didn't want to discuss. And I don't know if she's over it or not, but if she can sort of, if, if she is over it and she's back to sort of normal, quote unquote, in 2022, then maybe she is better than Rogers. I still don't think she's going to be better than Moe, who is the American record holder and
2: a lot younger. And for the record, I think Moe had not broken 201 for 800 a year ago at this time, which is crazy. So things can change quickly. That's actually just amazing. I mean, we knew she was super fast at 600 and she kept saying, I'm an 800 meter runner. I mean, we knew she was like one of the best high school 800 meter runners in America, but.
0: Yeah, well, the thing most thing was a set of specific circumstances because she had a breakout year in 2019. She won USA indoors. But then 2020, which would have been her senior year of high school when she could have obliterated all these records, COVID hit. She didn't really get to race at all. So that's why IPR was still only 201. She made the U.S. final in 2019. I'm sure if the Olympic trials had been held as scheduled in 2020, she would have been in the final and maybe makes the team. But really, we got two years of progress in one, and the second year of progress was a humongous jump anyway. So that's kind of how that happened.
1: But it's still crazy we didn't even mention her name. And she's the first American since on the track, is it since Madeline Manning Mills,
0: (laughs) the first American woman on the track since Madeline Manning made men's in 1968 in a distance event. We talked, one of the questions you posed, will Mo Farah medal at the Olympics? And again, again, 12 months later, this question looks ridiculous. Like, Mo Farah, is he going to retire? Like, he couldn't even qualify for the Olympics. But I said yes. Because I was like, okay, he's going to the track from the marathon. He was one of the greatest track runners we've ever seen. He won t- 10 straight global titles. Yeah, I'm going to bet on his talent. Turns out, no, he's actually he's 38 years old and he's just, he's old. So he didn't even qualify. So I'd take the L on that one.
2: But that's kind of crazy because maybe he should have run the marathon. If he said, hey, two of Mo Farah's training partners will win marathon medals, I would have said, no, that's crazy. So Gary Lowe, you always have to say Gary Lowe, Paul Radcliffe's husband, <laughs> had two Olympic medalists in the marathon. But neither one of them was Mo Farah. Pretty amazing.
0: All right. This next question. I mean, this was a pretty obvious question at the time. It was, will Jakob Ingebrigtsen medal at the Olympics? Robert asked us. Me and Weldon both said yes pretty easily. So that one, it wasn't some great prediction. It was really more like, well, he ran 329 or 328 in 2020. Like, why wouldn't he medal? So yeah, we got that one right. And then we had bold predictions from Robert and me. Robert? Your bull prediction was that Centro medals at the Olympics. That one did not work out. Didn't even make the final. My bold prediction was an American wins a major marathon in 2021. I was a little closer. We had runners up in Chicago in the men's and women's races, but America got blanked. Both of our bold predictions fell short. who
2: do you think was going to win, John?
0: I didn't think it was going to be a specific person. I just thought we were going to have six major marathons in the fall. Now, we only had five because Tokyo got canceled. But I thought six major marathons, the talent's going to be so spread out that American's going to win. And basically, what happened in Chicago, I was like, okay, Chicago had pretty weak fields. Rock was, was second, and Emma Bates was second. And if they just have one fewer... East Africa in those races, they would have won. So that was sort of my thinking, but didn't end up happening. Wow, Emma Bates was second at the Chicago Marathon. I mean, that was like one of the
2: you know, good stories of the fall, really. Turning it around and doing so well. But John, you were right, actually. Jolene Flanagan, I think she won the Tokyo virtual marathon. I think she was actually the only participant, and I don't even think they had a virtual race this fall, but So you, you got it right. Speaking of such, Wikipedia, I don't know, the last time I checked, I think they had like, they list like the New York City Marathon winners and they have the virtual winner for 2020. No, I'm sorry. Get that off. It should be a no record books, no nothing.
0: I agree because it was Stephanie Bruce, right? So I see her name on the champions. That's just, that's not how, I mean, nice job, Stephanie, but like no one views her as a New York City Marathon champion. I'm sure she'd probably laugh at it as well.
2: Not if she gets her bonus.
0: Okay, I also had some 2021 awards I wanted to hand out. Just sort of, you know, a way to look back at the year that was some of my favorite moments. I just want to start race of the year. I'm going to give this to the men's 400-meter hurdles final at the Olympic Games. Wolholm versus Benjamin. Top two men both obliterate the world record, but Wolholm wins it. 45.94. Benjamin 2nd 46.17 dos Santos of Brazil, who was third in this race, he was also under the old world record at the start of this year. I mean, just I just for, will forever be grateful that I could even be in the building for that one in Tokyo because fans were banned. It's so a moment. I think we'll be talking about that race 20 years from now. Do you guys have... My other candidates, women's 400-meter hurdles final, McLaughlin, Muhammad, basically the same thing. Top two, obliterate the world record. Third place, Femke Bowl also well under the, well, she was under the old World Record at the start of the year. And then number three, I had Hawker versus Centro in the Olympic trials 1500 final. One of my favorite moments after that race is the Your Move t-shirt, the one that Robert was selling on our website. One of the guys who hugged Cole Hawker after the race was wearing that, so that we got ahead of time on NBC. So those are sort of my favorites. Did you guys have any others that stand out? Do you agree with my choices?
1: Well, when I was on Anna Lignani's YouTube broadcast a few weeks ago about super shoes. I gave her my three moments of the year. The first was the NCAA Cross Country Championships in March when the two Alabama runners did an interview together. One black from Kenya, one white from Alabama. I just loved it. They loved each other. It was so exciting to have a championship. Again, it was the first big race in America after George Floyd and everything. I just I thought that was really cool. But in terms of Actual races, I said Warhol versus Benjamin. Don't say I'm sexist. That was the first race. It was the day before the women's 400 hurdles. So it was better to me. When the women's happened, it it actually made both less impressive to me. But it was an amazing race. And just being in Tokyo was amazing. I was so excited to be at the Olympics. I was afraid that wasn't going to happen. And then I think the third one I said was the women's four by four at the Olympics. I mean, have we ever had a four by four team with four individual gold medalists on it? Felix, Mo, forgetting the others, John, help me out.
0: Talula Muhammad and Sadiq McLaughlin. I know, Robert, that was one of my favorite moments too, because after to the 400 hurdles file, you're like, okay, they're going to put them all on the same team. You know, because none of those women was the U.S. champion this year. That was Quineera Hayes, but. Then Felix beat Hayes in the Olympic 400 final, and that kind of gave you the reason, okay, we're going to put on the four megastars, and they totally destroyed everyone. That was really cool because, yeah, Felix is probably going to be out of the sport pretty soon. But to see her on that team with the, you know, Muhammad, you know, Muhammad's probably about 30 years old, but then it's sort of a passing of the torch, like one generation to the next. It it was really, really cool.
1: And the U.S. race of the year was definitely Hawker versus Cintuance. That race so lived up to the title. I mean, Centrowitz, Hawker, they've been talking beef against each other, sort of, using surrogates to do it at least. And then Centrowitz comes off the Olympic champion, comes off the turn with a big lead. Hawker runs him down. Puts the finger up to silence the crowd. That was amazing. Actually, I was watching that last night, and then I went back to watch the NCAA meet. And the NCAA meet was closer than I remembered. Nagus versus Hawker. So... Hawker destroyed Nagoose at, at, at USA's, but not in
0: Yeah, that was the thing. People like gave me crap. Like, you always picked against Cold Hawker. Every race jungle picked against Cold Hawker. It's like, well, okay, Nagoose was very close in NCAAs, and after Nagoose was very close, I thought Centro was better than both of them. So I that's why I picked Centro at the trials, and I was wrong, but yeah, you know, they Yes, Hawker was amazing.
1: Alright, John, you talk about highlights of the year, but I see your next topic is the biggest disappointment of the year.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was the U.S. men at the Olympics on the track. At the start of the year, I would say that the U.S. men were favored to win gold medals in the 100, the 200, the 400, the 800, the 110 hurdles, and the 4x1. And now maybe you know that's a little unfair because the 4x1, we very rarely win the 4x1, but they won it in 2019 at the Worlds. They were favored to win all of those events. They won none of them. Their only gold medal was on the... On the track was the men's 4 by 4 and the only other gold was Ryan Krauser in the shot put. I just think, look, individually you can look at the specific reasons, but collectively that was a huge disappointment for Americans to get shut out of those events. It never happened in an Olympics where they competed that they didn't win any of those events.
1: Yeah, it's pretty shocking. Like, think about it, at this time last year, if you said no Lyles would only be the second American in the 200 at the Olympics, would anyone have played you? This guy had... had he, he never loses the 200. No medal at all for Michael Norman or Donovan Brazier. Heck, if we're just going to stick to the men, though, Emma Coburn did blow up the Olympics. Jenny Simpson did make—oh, wait, I predicted Jenny Simpson not making the team, so maybe somebody smart like myself would have predicted that. But on the plus side, John, would anyone have predicted Fred Curley to be your Olympic 100-meter silver medalist?
0: <laughs> no, that was one of the craziest things and trends of 2021 is 400 runners just picking up the 100. Sharika Jackson, who was a 400-meter Olympic medalist in 2016, she just decides, oh, I'm going to run the 100. She gets bronze, and she's only beaten by the two greatest sprinters of all time. Fred Curley, who bronze in the the 400 at the 2019 Worlds, he decides to start running the 100, and suddenly he's the silver medalist at the Olympic Games. It was just insane. And now I wonder, does Michael Norman make the same move in 2022?
1: But in terms of disappointments, John, I think if we're looking at an event group here, I mean, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but can we say the men's eight hundred? Like, think about it. We really everyone was very confident. Brazier was going to rock it. Now it's unfortunate he picks up a really serious injury. I think he ended up having a serious stress fracture of some sort. But super confident in that. And then remember how well Clayton, how good Clayton Murphy looked at the U.S. trials. I mean, one forty three low, negative split, right? If he runs that race at the Olympics, he might have won the gold. He certainly would have medaled. I mean, remember Patrick Dobek got the bronze. So the fact that looking at it now, how in the hell did we not medal in that event?
0: Well, it's because the eight hundred is a crapshoot. Look at what happened. I mean, it was a slower race. They're all super bunched. I mean, I think if you run. I think by the end of the year, it was clear that Correa, the Olympic champion, Emmanuel Correa, and Ferguson, Rotich, Chariot, F- Ferguson, Chariot, R- oh, I, I'm telling them Marcel, lot L- Marcel Jacobs here. I'm forgetting what, what his name goes in. But Ferguson, Rotich, those two guys were the best two guys and they went 1-2 in the Olympics. So I think it's the right result. But with some of the randomness of the Diamond Leagues, I mean, remember Marco Arrault, who didn't even w- make the Olympic final? He comes in and starts winning Diamond Leagues after to Tokyo. I think if you run that race 10 times, you get a different set of medalists each time. So Murphy, I think Carrer and Rotich were the best two, but yeah, Murphy absolutely could have medaled if that race went a little differently, if he gets good position. This whole 400-meter sprinters becoming 100 people, we
2: need some sprint coach on here to explain that to us. Because this didn't used to really happen. It was sort of like a sideshow. Somebody would run the 100, like, oh, well, can they break 10? And now they're like legit sprinting in the 100. So uh, I wonder if something's tra- ch- changed with the training or just what people think is possible. It's pretty fascinating to me.
0: Yeah. No, it is wild. I mean, the f- the only person I can remember doing it was before I even covered the sport, Xavier Carter, the X-Man, 100 and 400 NCAA champion at LSU.
2: Man. Well, I don't want to kick someone when they're out of the sport, but... That guy had a lot of talent, man. Oh yeah. You guys were talking about Tokyo. Didn't seem to ask me what my favorite moments were, but I guess we could skip that. And I actually want to listen to the Robert segment on super shoes, so maybe I'll put that link in the show notes for my myself to link listen to it. But I thing I hadn't thought about where were you guys sitting at Tokyo? Like, could we have seen you on the TV? Were you in like row two when I went to the London Olympics? I mean, it was crazy. This is London, packed house, and they got, i was like eight rows up from the finish, on the finish line. I don't know why they give the media those seats. That was nuts. But with an empty state, you guys could have sat wherever you want. I'm like, or hell, they should have let you go, like, stand in lane nine. Like, where were you guys actually during the races when all the media
0: congregate together? Um. So for some of the races we're in the mixed zone because you are waiting for athletes to come through. But when we were out watching, they did have the lower section, like right next to the track, the lower section on the home straight was basically all media. You could sit right at the finish line. I'm not sure you could sit there, but like sort of in the middle of the home straight, you could sit any of those places. But that's where everyone wanted to sit. And to get there, you usually had to get there to the stadium really early. It was just kind of a pain. I watched the 10K final from there on the first night. But afterwards, I kind of like sitting, I, we sat in the top section, so upper section, just past the finish line. That's usually where we sit for most championships. And I like that because you can also see the whole track. Like if you're down on the level, it's a little harder to tell who's making moves on the backside. There are things in the way. So I liked where we sat and we also never had competition for seats because most of the journalists liked being on the lower level.
1: Plus John's forgetting a key point during the morning sessions, it was hot. Oh It'll be set in the morning this you're in the sun. So the 400 hurdles were during the heat. I actually, during the men's 400 hurdle race, was down low near the track when it happened. But I also, I feel bad because I didn't watch that moment with John. Sometimes we get there right before the events and we would be getting food or whatever, trying to get organized. But I liked watching it with John because he could help put it in perspective for me and kind of remind me to what to focus on. Said I was like,
0: what's going on? I was confused. You knew everything that was going on because your favorite invention was the world rankings. The first time Robert was ever thankful for the world rankings, every before every final, he'd look up at the big scoreboard. It would have everyone's world rankings next to their name. And he'd be like, oh, okay, I need to be watching Lane 5 because they're ranked number one in the world. That's a- <laughs> I think on TV, they
2: never showed that view because so, they didn't want to show like, you know, 200 journalists sort of sprinkled <laughs> in the stands. So they didn't do that. Fair enough. One more thing on the Olympics. Alice and Felix lived up to the hype. I mean, she's rightfully an American icon, the most meddled American female track athlete. Or, no, male or female now, right? I think she passed Carl Lewis. That was the whole thing, right?
0: Yeah, I'm fail- I think she has 11 now. I think she has more than Carl Lewis. But, as is uh, sometimes often the case with our stars,
2: we... Build up sort of fairy tales around them that aren't true. I mean, some of the stories t- told about Allison really aren't 100% accurate. Like, you know, that her, the way they present her Nike contract, that she was the one fighting for women who are pregnant to have rights. And they say, you know, she got pregnant and Nike dropped her contract. That's not actually what happened. Her contract was up and then she was pregnant you know, the order isn't right. So sometimes the story doesn't quite match the facts. But here she's so hyped and I'm like, oh, she's going to disappoint at the Olympics. And she just didn't. She really brought it this year. And on a personal level, I like actually the fact she does now speak up because when, for the vast majority of her career, she just let the track do the speaking. And so now she is speaking up and it's funny, I think they give her a little more credit You know, I think Alicia Montano is the one who really kicked off the pregnancy thing and first brought attention to it. And then Allison got on the bandwagon. And and with her name, the media, they kind of butchered the story a bit, but it gave it attention that it needed. And a lot of meaningful steps have been taken for women athletes who are pregnant.
0: Yeah, she was very, very private before the pregnancy. Well, remember, when she got pregnant, when she announced that she had had a baby, no one knew she was pregnant. No one even knew she was married. And then she's like, oh, yeah, you know, I have a husband and we have a kid. It was was kind of crazy that no one knew any of that stuff about her. Wait, you're telling me the baby came before she said she was pregnant? No way. Absolutely. That when she announced that she had had a kid, I don't think anyone in the media seemed to know that she was pregnant. I don't think that's right, John. The baby was blind super I'm pretty early. sure that's what happened because I remember her, she had this big post, on it was an ESPN story about how it was a difficult birth, remember? And I was like, wait a minute, a difficult birth? What birth? Like, I that's the way I remember it. I don't remember knowing anything about it until about a month after the fact when she when they had the ESPN story. But I will give you credit, Weldon. I give Felix a lot of credit she was re- incredible at the Olympics. Like, going into this year, I think some people weren't even sure she was going to make the team. Remember when she, she made the final at USA's in 2019, but she didn't make the team in the individual 400? She not only made the team, she ran faster in the Olympic final in 2021 than she did in 2016. She ran 49-46 for the bronze this year. She ran 49-51 for the silver in 2016. So that And that was at the age of 35 that she did that this year. So, just... Absolutely terrific by Allison Felix. All right. A couple other awards. I go to go in about three minutes. So maybe I'll have only time. I have a couple others that I want to give out, but at least one, I want to talk about the best half hour of track and field of the entire year. Weldon unfortunately had to leave because this part was, re- this was the final day, the final session of the Olympic trials in Eugene. And it was supposed to be in the afternoon, but it was 110 degrees in Eugene, so they moved it to the evening. Weldon had to catch his flight home, but I was able to stay, and it was my favorite half-hour track of the entire year. This is what happened from 9.20 p.m. Pacific time to 9.52 p.m. Pacific time at the Olympic trials. Sydney McLaughlin broke the world record in the women's 400-meter hurdles. Our Mo, ran 156.07 personal best, totally dominated the women's 800 took the mantle as the best American 800 runner. Cole Hawker defeated Matthew Centrowitz in the men's 1500. And then Noah Lyles won the men's 200. And 17-year-old high schooler Arian Knighton made the Olympic team. That all happened in 32 minutes. It was the first time I'd been at Hayward Field with all the lights. It was lit up at, at night. I feel bad that it was happening at almost 1 in the morning for East Coast viewers, but it was one of my favorite nights the entire year.
1: Yeah, it was amazing, John. It reminds me, you know, Noah Lyles was so pumped up by the media. It's kind of like how they generally pump up Alice and Felix, but at the end of the year, they ended up with the same medal, which is kind of interesting. Individually, bronze.
2: Well, John mentioned Noah Lyles and Arian Knighton. We may have had a major sprinter sign up for the Supporters Club over the holidays. I got to verify this person is who it could possibly be. But speaking of Noah Lyles, it's sort of crazy because he was hyped up. But, Robert, he was hyped up for a reason. The guy didn't lose at 200 meters. I think he had lost, what, one Diamond League ever at 200 before this year?
0: Yeah, I think that's right. It was to Michael Norman. I think that's the only one. And it was, I would say, about a sure thing
2: for a lock for a gold medal in the sprints. And he leaves Tokyo with a bronze now you got Arian Knighton and people love to hype the next new thing, but this kid is phenomenal and he's actually better at Lyles at the same age. And I don't know. I really w- I want to see Noah Lyles back in twenty twenty one. You know, he had the issues with he got on some antidepressants, he may have put on some weight, it may have affected some of his training. I, I think he's figured that out. Hopefully, and he, he can get back to his, because if he's on his A game, Knighton's on his A game, Curly Norman, you got to get Norman back there. But Narek, I mean, DeGrasse, uh, I mean, I'm not even mentioning the guy who won the gold medal. It could be some phenomenal sprinting. But, and mental health was such a big thing. It's sort of interesting that people don't really talk about that angle because it actually did affect his performance. But it was such a big story in 2021
0: let's remember after the Olympics, Noah Lyles ran the world leading time at the 200 meters. He ran 1952 at the pre-classic. So I don't think that's lost with heard from Noah Lyles. All right, guys, I'm going to let you handle the rest of the podcast. I have to go, but it was wonderful. Discussing the year. Congratulations again to Weldon on winning our quiz. And it's the, fr- the Friday 15th on New Year's Eve. I guess maybe we we do a brief Friday 15 or something like that. But, it was I enjoyed podcasting with you in 2021. Can't wait to do it again in 2022. Great, John. Have fun on your date. Not a date. All right, bye.
1: Thanks,
2: Robert, that's great. It's code, right? and no, no,
1: no guy goes to the Matisse exhibit bingo with their quote unquote family. All right, we're almost done. John's got two more things on the agenda here. He wanted to hand out an award, the best entertainment value of the year to Miss. Shakira Richardson, John writes, "I'm not really even a fan of hers, but she has crazy hair, talks shit, and her races are always entertaining, whether she runs fast or not." Remember, she ran 10.72 in April, but infamously ran 11.14 at pre, when Nike was making commercials about <laughs> about her for that meet. I'm still shocked by that race, and Like at pre, didn't she realize that like, her training had been going well? Before she showed up, I mean, she seemed so confident, but got absolutely destroyed.
2: Yeah, she really was one of the bigger stories of the year.
1: Because remember, you know, on June 5th, after Shelly Ann Fraser-Price ran that 10.63, part of the reason why they had this big rivalry was Sha'Carri took credit for it by writing, my presence in this track game, making history happen. No need for a Thank you. So I thought she was amazing. Talk shit. Test positive for marijuana. Tries to come back. We'll see what happens in 2022. It's going to be much watch TV. Women's 100 is going to be amazing. That's for
2: sure. The Shikari thing was just crazy in so many levels. And then I remember maybe, I don't know if it was 30 minutes, the first hour or so when we heard, we just got the word she tested positive. And you're like, no. And immediately, I don't know, like her, I thought the worst for a positive test. Cause at the Olympic trials, who's there sort of as her mentor and maybe her coach even, Christy Gaines. Actually not her coach. I mean, high school, they had a connection, but they went to the same high school who was a Balco fame, big drug scandal for those of you guys who are too young. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I guess. You know, as I said, you should never be surprised if anyone tests positive. But thankfully, if it was for weed, then it takes off. She goes on today's Show. It's just so raw, so emotional. That's what people like. She's not polished, but she's authentic, and she makes this sport damn interesting. And those Shelly Ann Fraser Price, Elaine Thompson. I don't know. If, I don't. I don't know if they don't like her. Or don't like the attention she gets, but it's a great rivalry. We need to keep it going as long as we can. But she's also super, super fast.
1: Well, I think the authentic- authenticity is what I love about her. Some of these interviews, when we talk about Allison Felix, but for years Allison Felix was just so packaged; it was
2: boring. In terms of the biggest stories of the year, I mean, just how fast the women's hundred was this year. I guess you could just say how fast <laughs> Elaine Thompson was, but without the 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 FloJo record shouldn't be there. If you do any sort of statistical analysis, and I would I am like, oh, you can't tell if the wind gauge wasn't right. It's impossible to say it was a one-off event. But no, stats people look and they say, like, look at everyone else in the heat. What they ran that time versus other times that year. It was a wind dated mark. Elaine Thompson should have the world record. Forget about all the other stuff people wonder about what was going on back in the day with Flojo. That mark should be invalidated just statistically. I'm sorry. It's not like it's just her competing and you can't have anything compared to you. you. Have eight, seven other women in the field. They all ran super fast compared to what they do. We should write an article on that, but Elaine Thompson should have her due as the world record holder in the 100 meters. All right, and last but not least... Jonathan Galt wanted to hand out a
1: Breakthrough of the Year award. Podcast listeners that are still listening to the very end, I'm going to quiz you. Who is he going to hand this out to? It's fun to guess. You should know this if you think about it. Very obvious. Aw, thing, This year, she set records in the in-, in the following events the NCAA Indoor 600, 800, 4x400. Those are indoors. Outdoors 400 two times, 800 once, 4x400. She also broke the American record in the 800 twice and won two Olympic golds in both the 4x4 and the 800. Her anchor leg, she ran the anchor leg on that 4x4, splitting 48.32. All of this accomplished as a teenager. I mean, that's crazy. And that got me to thinking because one year ago on this very podcast, we didn't even mention her name. And she ended up winning the Olympic gold. So, Weldon, Is there anyone that we haven't mentioned really who could be a pos? I mean, look, an American woman hadn't won an 800 on- up a gold medal since the 60s. And yet we didn't even mention her as a possibility. So I was trying to think like, who could possibly fit that bill? Who have we not, who's totally unknown or somewhat unknown now that could be a, I don't know about gold medalist, but just a medalist in 2022. And I was just trying to think of like wild cards. For the men, I was gonna say Brandon Miller. He was really good actually I think my host teammate at Texas AM he was second. Wasn't he second at um NCAs as a freshman?
2: Yeah. And and also like when I was at the trials. Yeah, trials. I get there the first day, I go get my credential and like they go to all these meets together. They're like the sort of two freshman stars. They were. I mean, now a thing's going to be pro, but I saw them, you know, walking down the street together. And he was a phenom at like age what sixteen, or younger than that even. And then didn't really improve. Then improved a lot this year at A and M. So some incredible coaching going on there. But no, like Robert, what a thing Moe did was like so unpredictable. But I think if you're going to try to predict something like that, you need to look at, yeah, who's got like superstar talent. And the thing Mo already had run what was almost a world record for the indoor 600. I mean, it's not a world record event, but she had the American record as a teenager. So you're like, wait, if she can ever figure out the 800, she could do it.
1: Well, right. You gotta have the massive talent. And when you look at day now in hindsight, like in the women's distance like two time world junior cross country champion. Of course she's gonna be the first woman under twenty nine minutes. But with Miller, yeah. Age thirteen world record, one fifty six forty one. Age fourteen world record one fifty one twenty one. At age fifteen, he ran one forty nine. Then he doesn't improve, goes to AM though, and runs one hundred forty four ninety seven to get second in CAs. So that was one guy I thought of. The other people like who might have that type of talent, I mean, Hobbs Kessler, but is he really unknown? I can't imagine that he would medal this year, but other people were Rosen Willis. She ran two flat 78. Juliet Whitaker to a 121. I mean, but I just don't think that they're fast enough. They've never done a 600 like, you know, an all mo. Or maybe, I don't know, Jenna Hutchins at BYU.
2: <laughs> I doubt it. It's just just unbelievable, really, what she did, if you think about it. But, wait, what's Rose and Willis run? You think, oh, it's crazy to assume anyone's going to go from two flat to 156. A thing, though, has the speed, the raw talent to do that, I guess, to make the jump. And I think one of the big storylines of this year could be, I guess, how fast can she run at 400 and 800 because 2024, I think the face of American track and field will be a thing, Mo. Now, who knows, right? I mean, Shakari Richardson could be, could be it, but she's got, obviously, I mean, she's already got the Olympic gold medal in 19, but she can do two events. She's just wonderfully, we're talking about authenticity. I love her, just how she is, how she comports herself. She's smiling. She's fun. You guys talked about your favorite moments. I didn't mention mine. It was right after she won the Olympics at the 800. I mean, that might have been, from an American perspective, there wasn't any drama in that race, except for Raven Rogers sneaking in getting the bronze. The thing just dominated. But afterwards, I I wasn't there like you guys. I'm watching on TV. I see a thing. She comes up to Raven, looks at the, like Jumbotron and sees that Raven got the bronze. And this look of pure joy goes across her face. She was like generally happy. Her teammate got the medal, bronze medal and hugged her. And it's just like, like, this kid has it all. And I don't know when I, I first met her, was when she broke that 600 meter record, I don't see the fame changing her. I haven't seen a changer. So hopefully she can keep this demeanor. Cause it's hard to stay at the top. Right. It's great to be naive. You don't really have the pressure. I mean, we saw that. That was one thing, right? And with social media, Simone Biles this year, a lot of others. It's getting to these young people.
1: Well, right. Because all she can do now is fail. But I had never actually met her until Tokyo. But the moment I, the first interview, I'm like, this moment's not too big for her. It's, like it's not even affecting her. Now, maybe that'll change over the years to come. But in hindsight, it's like of course she's gonna win. She's the best. She's so super talented, she's unfazed by it all. But just think about it, like her tactics, like we knew she was super talented after she started running the eight hundreds early indoors, but then she ran the four hundred NCAs and then ran the four hundred outdoors. And then we're just assuming oh she's gonna go back to the eight hundred and rocket and not be tired at the trials and then not be tired at the Olympics. No, she's running her best races at the very end of the year. Absolutely amazing. Amazing season. Can't wait to see what happens. In 2022, who will be the breakout stars? It's going to be real, unreal. But I've got to head out of
2: here. See you guys later. In next week's pod, we can look ahead to 2022. All right. Everyone have a happy, safe New Year's. Supporters Club members, we're going to be back Friday or something. Rojo did a fabulous job with his solo, Alberto Salazar podcast. A lot of people signed up to listen to that. You can sign up today and don't forget, take advantage of the Drink Element LMNT special offer at LMNT.com slash let's run link in the show notes to get your free sample pack. Six different flavors sent your way. You pay $5 shipping. All right. Happy New Year, everyone.